passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live, everybody. Welcome to the Cafe Hangout. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. It's Thursday. It's 3 o'clock p.m. That means the wrestling world stops as we hang out. How are you, Wei? Doing pretty well, yourself? I'm doing well. It is the it is the, the, the depths of the summer, and the schedule is very, very busy. And we are navigating as best we can. And I think today we have a really loaded show because we are going to be talking about a bunch of news items that mm-hmm. are just coming at us at a furious pace, uh, all led by the WWE second quarter earnings call, uh, which we are going to hold off on breaking down until our guest, Brandon Thurston, joins us, which is only going to be in about 15 minutes time from now. Uh, he will be on to help us uh, break down, make sense of the numbers and go through a juicy, juicy earnings call. Juicy. Is that how you would describe it? Is that how the stockholders would describe it? Uh, maybe a little bloody. Uh, there were a lot of guts displayed and all that other crap. Yes. So if you were a uh, a fan that has been circling the waters for the WWE to feed you something AEW related, this earnings call was all the meat you could handle because Vince McMahon didn't get an, didn't give an F on this earnings call and gave you plenty uh, to sink your teeth into. So we'll talk all about that and. Always look forward to having Brandon Thurston on the show from WrestleNomics. He did a, a great kind of primer to get everybody ready for this earnings call. I mean, this is uh, this is like one of uh, AEW's big shows or a big uh, big four show from WWE for Brandon. And he did his big preview of this earnings call. He did a kickoff, essentially. He did a kickoff, yes. A very yeah. entertaining one. Yeah. So looking forward to chatting with him as well as your phone calls, which we will be taking uh, in the second half of the show. So if you are listening live, first of all, thank you very much. And the call number for later on today, 732-800-4423, or look up Post Wrestling on Skype. We'll be dedicating time to all of you fine folks listening live with your thoughts on the earnings call or any of the other big news stories that are going on in professional wrestling today. And I think we can dive in and quickly go through some of the headlines uh, to start things off. Um, I want to get this out of the way first, because um, I I heard from uh, one person today uh, with the WWE that told me, The reason for Daniel Bryan being off TV this week uh, was that he had had some vacation time. So that was the reason he wasn't on the show this week. And there is a program uh, planned for Bryan, which I'm going to assume is going to be probably set off next week. Uh, We would see he's not linked to anyone right now, but it sounds like they do have a program in mind for him. And that was the reason, at least this week, that he wasn't there. Now, was that set to take place before he teased making a big career change in the announcement? That I don't know. I don't know if the announcement was to lead to this program or if they're going somewhere else. But it just seems like this week he was not 
going to be on TV because of this vacation. So okay. that's um, I would expect him to be back next week. So that's what's going on with Daniel Bryan. Uh, Jimmy Uso, Jonathan Fatu was arrested uh, early Thursday morning, uh, just after 3 a.m. Eastern time in Pensacola, Florida, and he was pulled over after he had been spotted driving erratically and swerving in his car and TMZ were the ones to report this. He was pulled over. And when they tried to administer a breathalyzer, he refused and was brought in and facing a charge of driving under the influence as well as a speeding citation that he's facing uh, sports illustrated.com adding that he has since been released from jail and the bond was set at a thousand dollars and WWE stating Everyone, get your pen and paper out to jot this down. Jonathan Fatu is responsible for his own personal actions. Now, the timing of this uh, could not be more embarrassing. Days after uh, the Usos were the subject of John Cena's one-liner mocking them for their arrests in the past, uh, Jonathan Fatu, it should be added, uh, this is his third time being arrested for a DUI since 2011. He also had the incident this past year where, while he wasn't driving, uh, he ended up getting out of the passenger side when he was with his wife, Trinity, and got into a yeah, semi-altercation with police officers that he was arrested for, later had a plea agreement and paid a fine for. Um, I, I don't think that this statement WWE puts out, I just don't think that's sufficient any longer. This is uh, something that I find concerning. I really didn't like the joke on Monday, and um, I just I, I don't find that that's the source of comedy of someone that is drinking and driving and here this happens just days later. And I just, I don't know what they're expecting here where this happens and we just ignore it. So it goes away. Um, that, that I don't know if that's the best course of action. Yeah. Um, you know what the way that I guess they handle it, it seems to suggest that, or at least on TV is what I mean. It seems to suggest that they believe it's not of, it's, it's a 24 hour story in their mind. And we're going to give the most baseline response and it's going to go away. And maybe they're right. Maybe this story does go away. But I I think that this is something that you should be concerned with. Like, drinking and driving is not some nothing offense. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, you know, and this is, I think one time is, you know, perhaps it's something you can dismiss as, as saying this was not good, but maybe no cause of, of that much concern if it's an isolated incident. But this is not that. This is a multiple-time offense for Jimmy Uso. Um, this is something that I feel like could be met with uh, a bit more internal discussion and punishment. We'll see. Um, that's what the WWE statement is that is what they put out today. Um, CM Punk did an interview with a friend of the show, Mark Ramundi, at ESPN. And I'm sure that this interview is going to get uh, some people talking. It, he talked about doing StarCast and then... Kind of went as deep as I can recall him going about, like, Mark really pressed him here. Basically, are you going to AEW? Are, are you, is there a chance you're going to AEW? Is anything imminent with AEW? And, you know, Punk was, like, pretty, I, I felt open here about the fact he agreed to do StarCast because it's in his city. He doesn't have to travel for it. He was asked about uh, his relationship with AEW. And you could see kind of a sense of annoyance that if he... He, he mentioned to Matt Jackson, like, hey, have a great show tonight, referring to Double or Nothing. And he said, somehow that turns into Tony Khan telling people he has a great relationship with me. I said in the past, I've talked to them, but nothing ever came of anything. And he goes on to say that he, the last contact he had, he got a text from Cody Rhodes and he said, and again, 
I almost don't even know how to reply to them sometimes because if I reply, they do interviews and are like, quote, oh yeah, I just talked to Punk, end quote. I'm kind of damned if I do, damned if I don't. I always think if somebody wants to do business with me, they can come talk to me. Texting offers isn't really a way to do business. And when Mark followed up asking if there was an offer via text, he says, it was texted through three people and an offer came in through text. And he said it, it was about a month ago, maybe. And just said it was a general offer. I never could have done the last one in Las Vegas because it was the same night he was in California for uh, CFFC, which is the group that he does commentary for on Fight Pass. So, I mean, this this really does come across like a guy that, I mean, doesn't seem to have much, like, he's not really hiding hiding his cards here or trying to mislead the public. Um, I don't uh, I don't dismiss it out of hand that this guy one day could show up on an AEW screen, but uh, I would say if he had any kind of ulterior motives, uh, he's not doing an interview like this and characterizing the Bucks and Cody like this, where it just seems like, he wants to do his thing and not be kind of thrown out there as bait in the public where they're raising the expectation level of the audience because he knows that, at least at this current mindset, is he's, he's not going there. Seems to indicate a level of frustration, actually, with the way that the Bucks or are, 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 uh, AEW might, might be kind of... This was a pretty defensive uh, response to it, that they're kind of like letting the audience get their hopes up and they're not dismissing anything. And he's really not at that level. He's not considering it. Yeah, um, I haven't read the whole interview yet, but um, I, I, it almost seems like from those quotes, it seems like he's he's wanting a more serious offer. He has brought up that before about like, you know, a text is not an offer. Like yeah. he, you know, show me some level of commitment, pick up the phone, come see me. Um, that, that's been something that he, and I, I don't think he's wrong. Like if you're talking about, you know, you want, sometimes people want to feel wanted and it's much more than a, than a text um, that does seem that does seem to be if you want to really engage in serious talks, it's it's got to be a little more uh, formal. Why don't you think AEW has already done that if they're serious about wanting punk? Are they serious about wanting punk? I would I would think so. Uh, I, I would think why why wouldn't you want punk when you want to make as big a splash as possible on television? I would also look at it that they are riding a ton of momentum right now. Is now the exact time you want CM Punk? Starcast or not Starcast, but All Out is completely sold out. Um, yes, it's a big wow moment. Um, you want to build up for that first television show with something as big as possible. So there's certainly that incentive to get him on that first show. Uh, but there's also the idea that six months from now, when we don't have all of the promotion behind our debut and we want to pull something out of our hat, something big to really spark things, uh, this could be a card we play down the road. Um, you know, there's many different ways of thinking about it. I, I don't think CM Punk has closed the door on wrestling completely, but I'd say it's like 90% shut. It really feels like this is a guy that is not, other than that one run in he did in the mask that kind of showed you like this guy still has some kind of a romanticism towards pro wrestling. Why would he demand a real offer if he's shut the door that much? Yeah, maybe. I, I think ultimately... This is a guy that, it, let's put it this way, if Tony Khan, if the elite, if they wanted to sit down and have a meeting with Punk, I think Punk's taking that meeting. Whereas yeah. WWE, if they said, hey, can we sit down and talk? I don't think he's even given them the time of day. To me, it seems to indicate, at least from those quotes, that he's willing to sit down and talk, but it's talking seriously. And um, maybe that's it. Maybe that is the uh, that old analogy on, on the Cosby show, where Bill Cosby explains that uh, you had a, a fine steak dinner but you presented it to me on a, on a garbage can lid. It's all in the presentation and not necessarily what was included in the meal. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. That's one of my only Cosby show memories and probably a Cosby show is not something that's referenced all that much in today's society. So anyway, the CM Punk interview is up on ESPN. Mark Ramondi sat down and chatted with him about a number of issues, including his status. He is still on the UFC roster. His exact quote was, I believe I am. I peed into a cup not too long ago. So there he is. That is his status. And he seems to love doing commentary for CFFC, which I always thought he would do pretty well at as a natural fan of the sport. And... Other than that, our other uh, final news item here, uh, we didn't get to this on Wednesday night show, but ROH and the NWA, uh, they are not working together any longer. That's effective immediately. So Nick Aldis will no longer be part of the summer Supercard that is happening in Toronto on August the 9th. And it was said uh, from the ROH side that it was an amicable split and they're going separate ways. Um, I kind of looked at these two, like these two would be beneficial to one another. I think the NWA, that gives them a lot of people to work with. And if there is one thing that the NWA has carved out, in my opinion, it's the ability to show that they can promote a big match. And I I think they proved that with Cody and Nick Aldis. And I can't help but watch the Road 2 series and think that Cody was greatly influenced by that buildup that that the NWA and Lightning 1 did for that match at All In last year. And that's something I think ROH struggles at, is building up their big matches. They got a great roster. But sometimes when it comes to building up big stories, big matches, I think that's something they sometimes fall short on. And that's something I think the NWA, they have shown an ability to be very good storytellers. Yeah, certainly. I think at a time when public perception on of, of ROH is that uh, perhaps they're getting away from more of the sporting aspect, classic uh, pro wrestling storytelling, it seems like NWA has been continuing to, to double down on that type of uh, pro wrestling product. So I'm a little disappointed to hear that they're no longer working to working together. I, if anything, I, I feel like both companies would have really benefited from being, uh, a bit more kind of ingrained with one another. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it was uh, somewhat that you just look at just so many options out there. Uh, the NWA, like they're going to continue to do their thing. And it's just, you, you look at kind of, there's only so many hours in the day to follow everything. So I really want to see more, uh, like I would say, uh, of of these promotions working together in general rather than splitting apart. I think ultimately uh, they're going to have to in order to make any sort of traction when you have, you know, giants that are forming around, around you now. Yeah, no, it's a great point. So uh, we are going to be joined by Brandon Thurston momentarily to chat about the uh, the second quarter earnings report. And uh, wait, you don't always... Uh, follow these uh earnings calls but you got to call into this one and uh i definitely want your thoughts on on what your impression was because this was quite the earnings call to call in and get uh get vince mcmahon a pretty animated vince mcmahon that is not always the case on these calls Mm -hmm. so we'll get into all of that but joining us now on the line he is a staple when there's an earnings call we put out the brandon thurston signal up into the air and here he joins us here on the cafe hangout brandon how are you doing today how's it going john and way it is a happy WWE Q2 day. Yes, it's uh, it's our time to get into the weeds, Brandon. There were there were so many gems on this particular one, but uh, getting into the weeds seemed to be Vince McMahon's uh, big go-to. That was his big talking point on this show or on this call. Flooding guts, Thor, <laughs> and getting into the weed. I, I, I want to start there because, you know, Vince McMahon, he comes with with quite the the reputation of someone that is, you know, very bombastic in these public settings, but not so much on these earnings calls. Like it's very much a reserved Vince McMahon who will 
pivot over to George Barrios, who does the heavy lifting and uh, breaking through all the numbers, and you'll get Vince in and out. But this, to me, was Vince McMahon, uh, without specifically naming AEW, doing all but uh, bringing up TNT. Like, this was the most animated Vince in quite some time on one of these calls that AEW clearly has registered with Vince McMahon. Yeah, it really was. I thought that was the headline uh, coming away from this. It's not really a, a financial news or a metric or a number, but uh, he didn't name AEW by name, but he was clearly referring to to AEW. There's there's no doubt when he, he mentioned TNT, he really tried to, on, on two separate occasions during this this call, uh, he, he brought up uh, competition. Uh, and he did, did, like, at one point say that, uh, you know, to the extent that they are competition, sort of downplaying fact that he was referring to whatever he was referring to as competition but yeah he really tried to frame AEW as as this overly violent uh gory crap and uh, I, I I just imagine like you know so what's he referring to like I guess the you know the Cody and uh Dustin Rhodes match was really bloody right but I, I wonder if he was just you know somebody uh showed him what what Dean was doing and uh and he was you know rolling around in thumbtacks and barbed wire with Joey Janela on a fighter fest and he must have thought thought to himself, "What is this violent crap?" But uh, but yeah, he really he really went after uh, AEW and sort of tried to frame it, even almost like speaking to to TNT. Like I, he said, uh, you know, I, I don't know, if, you know, TNT will will stand for that. I can't imagine that they would. Sort of making it sound like this is not a, a brand that one would want to advertise with. Yeah, and the, the way that the question was thrown at him regarding competition, uh, it led to Vince McMahon explaining that. They would have a more edgier product in WWE, but it would stay PG and that they would not be going back to that blood and guts product uh, from the Attitude Era, which a potential competitor may be doing in reference to AEW, uh, adding that we have graduated from that crap and are a more sophisticated product. And I would say that it's uh, it was pretty stunning to just see how uh, how much he focused upon AEW here. But also, I wonder how the the messaging is of this, Brandon, of stating that here's this hot product and we are not going to do any of that stuff that certainly your core wrestling audience is kind of been galvanized by over these past couple of months and stating we're not going to be doing that. Almost stating that, you know, they're they're going to have that area of the playground for our audience to uh, get that form of professional wrestling from. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think about the audience that he's talking to. He's talking to analysts and investors, and and uh, not necessarily wrestling fans or people who are really familiar with the, with the wrestling industry. But uh, you know, I, there was a lot of talk, you know, going into this of how you know on the last call, uh, a lot of these metric declines were explained away by Vince McMahon saying, that, "Hey, look, we had all these talent absences, and all the talent was back." And I was really skeptical that that was a, a good way to to explain that. I, I I don't think that there there was that much talent that, that made that much of a difference in their absence in Q2 to be responsible for the metric declines that we saw. So going into this, I did a lot of research looking at you know how how are things doing now in Q2, and it looked like things uh, were down. And uh, you know, George Barrios, the co-president, had a slide in the investor presentation giving monthly breakdowns, a level of detail that we usually don't get. Um, going over how in in uh, you know in April the decline was pretty strong, but by June. Well, things are still declining, but it wasn't as bad, which was their their attempt to make an argument that you know we, we are turning the corner here, and then W popularity and the product is getting better, and that of course gets us into you know, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. I I don't recall if they were actually named by name. They're definitely their names are spelled out in the investor presentation, but they were definitely referred to as the two new executive directors that are going to be in charge of 
Raw and SmackDown so that Vince McMahon can stand back and, and concentrate on more, I think he said, a, a longer-term story arc uh, view of storylines, and he can focus on talent development. I can't imagine what that really means. Like is, As he said, as we're joking here at the beginning, Vince McMahon is going to get out of the weeds and uh, and uh, not be as directly involved and to have more of a more of an oversight or more overview of the creative process. At least that's the way it was framed in, in this conference call. Yeah, it was yeah. it was an interesting tack to take that it was like I didn't take it to mean that Vince McMahon's role is going to be all that different with something as vague as not getting into the weeds. Uh, but clearly this guy is the showrunner and. And I wonder too how you know the people on that call necessarily react to you know, the perception, at least, that Vince McMahon is kind of loosening his grip on the product. That you know, for the most part, they see this guy as the 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 genie here that is able to just wave his magic wand and fix all the problems. Um, I, I I do think the stock market, like at, at large, when we talk about the idea of when you know, Vince McMahon won't be around anymore. Uh, we, do, we don't know what the succession plan is, but there probably is one. And uh, one of the big risk factors that WWE lists in, in all of their, their quarterly reports and annual reports is that the possibility that Vince McMahon, who is our head of creative, et cetera, uh, would not be around. It, it could adversely affect the business. Um, I, so I, I think the stock market takes takes Vince seriously as somebody who is really integral to the W being what it is. But um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that uh, he can't, you know, bring in Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman and, and sort of tell a story of like how he's he's letting these guys do do the do whatever they're going to do. But I don't really buy for a second that Vince McMahon is going to step away from the creative process and that it's going to change uh, greatly, or, or that's going to change to such an extent that the metric declines that we're seeing lately are are going to really stop, or at least I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a hard floor for how far some of these things can fall. But uh, I, I don't see a big, big change happening because of the executive director hires of Heyman and Bischoff. But yeah, when Vince says they've definitely turned the corner on, uh, I, I suppose, some of the criticisms and controversies when when those were brought up on this call, how convincing of a job do you think that he managed to, uh, you know, tell his shareholders that hey, look, January, are we're not bleeding as much? We're, I mean, we're still bleeding, but we're not not bleeding as much. Do you think that it was a satisfying response? Like, like in my opinion, not. No, I don't. I don't. It didn't convince me that the, the declines in attendance and W network subscribers and the TV ratings are are about to be turned around. But you look at the stock price today; it's up. Last I looked at it, it was up eight uh, percent. This is following all the, this new information, all this, all these updated metrics that we've gotten today. So, the wider investment community either either is convinced by it or, or I think more likely it just, it just doesn't matter that much to them. Mm. Because again, when you talk about what is this business, it's, it's, it's largely, I think 30% last year and even more this year and even more than that in years forward is going to be from TV rights. And it, these new TV rights deals from uh, NBC universal and Fox, they get kicked in in October and it's going to be a 3.6 X average annual value over what they already have, which is already huge money. So these metrics that we're we're talking about that are in the decline, with the exception of maybe TV ratings, because that's what we're that's where the TV rights uh, come from is is from uh, you know highly rated TV programs. But uh, you know, they they can do bad attendance, they can do bad W network numbers, and they can you know they can still be a, a pretty healthy business because they have enormous TV rights fees. So I think that that is like the overall story of of this business and the and the, the tension of WB as a business over the last 
few years and, and even more so going forward because the rights are increasing dramatically is that this is a company that's not necessarily in in the tradition of you know when we think back on wrestling history and the, the economics of the business and how so and so drew so much money and so and so set the territory on fire this is not a company that's that's so dependent on selling tickets or even selling pay-per-views or network subscriptions because they 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 are so protected and so secure by enormous TV rights fees just because of the way that the media landscape has changed in the last several years with this premium on live content uh, so ju- just uh, getting into some of the numbers coming out of this quarter. So the net income for the second quarter, which, of course, includes WrestleMania and the card in Saudi Arabia back in June, uh, net income of $10.4 million, uh, which is slightly up from last year's quarter, and then revenue of $268.9 million, down from 281.6 last year. Uh, given uh, WrestleMania, and this can certainly dovetail into the the status of the WWE Network and its subscriber base. Uh, th- was this around your projections, uh, Brandon? Did it exceed or come come short in terms of what you expected for uh, what's always uh, kind of a big monster quarter for the company? Yeah, I, I, I don't really get into super deep financial predictions, but because uh, there's a lot of moving parts in there that I'm not an accounting expert that I don't really understand. But you, you always expect Q2 which for the last several years has been the quarter that contains WrestleMania to be their, their biggest quarter, um, especially in the live events department. Like we saw uh, in Q1, uh, a company barely or not make a profit on live events. And the same thing for Q3 of last year. So it, it's been hard for the, the live events business. And uh, But of course, WrestleMania does okay because uh, you have one huge event that in, in the case of you know this year's WrestleMania does $16.9 million at the live gate. But this was still in, in the live events uh, division, they call it. This was still uh, the, the revenue for live events was down in this Q2 versus the Q2 of the prior year and the, and the year before that. So it is declining even within this this you know big WrestleMania quarter. And uh, just looking over the trending schedules and things so far today, it looks like that was largely driven by um, international ticket sales. Uh, of course, W does two big uh, international tours: one in Q2, one in Q4, and uh, international ticket sales, which they do break out from North American sales, that was down quite a bit in this Q2 versus the Q2 of the prior year. So that's what that that, that looks like it was largely about there. Um, I should mention too, like merchandise was down also. You, you, you would think you'd have a big venue merchandise quarter because you've got WrestleMania there and all the events that go around WrestleMania. And think about how many people are there and how many people are buying merchandise on that WrestleMania weekend with NXT and Hall of Fame and Raw and SmackDown. But uh, overall merchandise both online sales and venue sales has continued to be in a, in a downward trend do you uh coming out of the information from this call do you have any more uh clear indication of uh, perhaps how much uh the uh the saudi arabia show might have generated the number this time in, in the other media segment which is where they obscure the saudi arabia money that was in the in the 50 million range um there was a lot of really uh confusing talk to me on, on this call about about the saudi arabia stuff I don't, I don't know if you guys made any more sense out of it than i did but there's there's talk of so so we is projecting one billion dollars in revenue for the full year that would be a record uh 200 million dollars in adjusted weave for the year that would be a record yep. like that that projection uh george barrio said is now dependent on uh as much of a downside as 10 million dollars depending on something about the saudi arabia deal and so it it's a live events media deal, but also a media rights deal. It sounds like yes. maybe through the Saudi government, they're going to get some sort of 
uh, I, I rights broadcast rights deal to, to maybe broadcast Raw and SmackDown or or like I don't know pay per views or something like that. Was it specifically mentioned that the TV would be in Saudi Arabia or just yes? The the, they mentioned that it was through the the General Sports Authority that you know in order to hit the, the the figures that Brandon just outlined for the record this year, it is contingent on a second large scale international event that is the Saudi Arabia show, mm-hmm. and then this other media rights deal that are. They while they expect them, they they gave significant caution to um, almost as though like they wanted to really, yeah, put put a a cushion underneath that it's not 100 percent. Either of these happens when I first heard them mention the the TV deal, I thought maybe this is just conflated with the India deal. But it really seems like those are completely separate things that they are hopeful of the India renewal. And then on top of this, this kind of left field deal in Saudi Arabia that could be worth an enormous amount. It really came out of this this call as as something that could be a bonus that I don't know how many people expected this to be in the mix as well. Yeah, I, I would have to go back and check, but I think, so they had, they had, and I think it ended, they had a deal with a, a network called OSN yeah. in the middle region. And uh, there, there's talk throughout this report and throughout this presentation about the, the MENA region, M-E-N-A, which is Middle East, North Africa, so, so maybe this is something that would sort of replace that in in, in that region. But yeah, it was it was it was strange. There was also a, a confusing note in there too about how I, I think Barros at one point said that he was going to that um, the money that they were uh, ex- expecting in Q4 they they reported now in Q2 or something like that. And uh, some of this was was just confusing and it wasn't really cleared up to me in, by anybody in the Q and A. And and they, and they tend to be you know obfuscating and declined to get into a lot of detail in the Q&A anyway. Yeah. When it comes to the uh, the network number, um, at the end of the quarter, they had a total of 1,636,000 uh, total subscribers. Um, and also, like, what what did you see of the, of the breakdown for the WrestleMania number, which on WrestleMania Day, it was a total of 2 million uh, combined with uh, 233,000 of those were free subscribers. But, you know, uh, not not enormous, but definitely a decline from Mania the year prior. Yeah, this is a number that we got in the last quarter, actually, because the last quarter, so Q1, which covers January through March, was actually, it's always reported about a month later, right? So this was already after WrestleMania had happened, and so they gave us that detail uh, last quarter that uh, WrestleMania, the day after WrestleMania, total count was down from the prior year's WrestleMania, and that and that's where I said, well, now the, the W Network becomes a metric that more directly reflects i think w popularity um but yeah they, they also projected in the previous quarter that uh w network subscribers would be uh, about what they turned out to be which is down six percent from the prior uh q2 and then they projected that in the in q3 which we're in the middle of right now is going to be they, they project was 1.53 million average paid subscribers throughout the quarter and that would be down eight percent so yeah, the, the the popularity of of W Network or of W Content uh, is not not being turned around at least in that area. There was also a little bit more detail about uh, perhaps some of the rebranding of the WWE Network yesterday. Of course, there was a mail blast uh, talking about the new uh, interface uh, updates, but here they also uh, mentioned about the new tiering system that would take place. But I still found it relatively vague. But they talked about how there would be a free tier and then a premium tier. And then further localization into local languages. Uh, what did you gather from all that discussion? Right, we know there's going to be a new platform, better search, which I think is 
anybody who spent some time on that W network knows that that search is terrible. So hopefully it will, will improve that. But uh, yeah, three tiers, it sounds like now, a free tier, a premium tier, and more languages. And uh, I believe Barrios said that the, they would go in, in, in that order, a free tier first, a premium tier after that, and then the localized languages after that, he said, within the next 12 months. So, so uh, yeah, so a new platform, better search, but uh, yeah, three different tiers. And uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just kind of curious what, what the strategy is with between the distinction between the free and the premium. You know, what, what, what do you foresee? Like, and, and really kind of maybe more from a financial sense, what is their strategy of, you know, doing something free, uh, um, you know, versus uh, perhaps a 99 cent deal? I'm curious how they balance this, this free tier they're introducing with their YouTube content. Like, what is, yeah. is this going to, like, I can't imagine, like, they're not going to have still a significant YouTube presence that they put so much weight into that what goes on, or is it, is one going to mirror the other? Yeah, I, I would imagine it would be redundant in some way. I mean, if you're WWE, you know, you, you think about, you know, you want all this customized marketing. You want to have all these all this user data so you can market to everybody uh, better and better. It's, it's something that they talk about quite a bit is they have, you know, they may only have 2 million, uh, you know, paid subscribers at the most uh, throughout the year, but uh, they have way more user accounts. So I think it would, it would be like, if you think about how, you know, AEW is trying to use BR Live where they do these free events that uh, you don't have to pay for, but they just want you to create an account. So it sort of fr- breaks down the friction between you be- you paying for a pay-per-view later. Mm. And that's not that's not what W Network is obviously trying to do here. I don't, I don't see them doing a, a pay-per-view events uh, on here. But uh, it, it at least gets you to create an account, and they can market to you and email blast you to try to turn you into a paid subscriber at, at the standard rate or the premium rate or whatever. And uh, and as far as like the YouTube stuff, like maybe – and this is just purely speculation on my part, but, but – with YouTube, they have to share that revenue, right? Mm-hmm. With YouTube, in, in this case, it would be a more of a direct to WWE thing where they don't have to share that revenue from any, with anybody, uh, assuming that they do run ads on it in some form. No clear date given on the launch, but uh, Barrios, I believe, did say probably within the next 12 months. Yeah, it seems like they're going to stagger it with the free tier introduced, followed by the premium tier, and then all the, the localized uh, content in the different languages. But it's going to be a 12-month uh, span. Uh, Brandon, have you, see, have you uh, seen the new interface yet? Because for the last, I'd say, 12, 14 hours, I can't even get into the WWE Network. No, I haven't. I think I've seen a screenshot where it's, it's supposed to look like how Netflix looks now. With the the big image at the top, and you sort of scroll to the, to the left and the right. But yeah. They haven't updated it yet. I believe. You know what they need? They need a slogan for this new network, and I, I think it should be the WWE Network. It is what it is. <laughs> yep. AEW Blood and Guts on Wednesdays? Yeah, you can have Blood and Guts uh, Friday nights where they air their ECW library, <laughs> Brock Lesnar pounding Randy Orton's forehead into his skull, um, nose rings being ripped out of noses. Uh, lots of great stuff you could do to uh, get to your, your blood, blood, guts, and other crap. That we've since graduated from. That can be its own section. It's a bit of a mouthful, but I think that that would really uh, attract a lot of people. Um, I, I guess uh, before we wrap up, Brandon, I mean, this this call, like certainly I think our audience is really going to zone in on a lot of the, the language of how AEW is being positioned here. But I guess uh, I just kind of want your general sense of AEW now that we're several shows in their rollout and as we kind of count down to... October the 2nd, with the official launch date now for TNT, uh, like there is no denying that this company has really put uh, their stamp on the market and really gotten 
real effects in terms of the WWE's business and the contract offers that are out there and what they're poised for uh, come October. Just some of your your general thoughts on their impact on the market. Yeah, it's it's definitely been good for wrestlers. We we hear that uh, wrestlers are getting uh, offered, in some cases, multiples of what they were making before. But uh, I, I think what what AEW has done so far has been really promising. I uh, I just put out a a, a PDF uh, on PayHip that people can download for free if they want to. Um, just looking at uh, looking at WWE's business, but also trying to look at what metrics that are publicly available for the other major companies, including AEW, uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, and Impact. And um, you know, AEW's only done what three shows so far, but uh, their Google searches have uh, surged above. Impact, which actually is above Ring of Honor in New Japan, I think just because of its its legacy of, of name ID throughout the years, even though it's kind of been relegated to this pursuit channel in the U.S. that almost no one watches. Um, but yeah, AEW's uh, got a lot of people at least thinking about it or searching for it or trying to find out what it is. And uh, their their events so far have done pretty well with attendance. Of course, the, the big events have sold out really fast. Um, you know, it, the, the big question is, what are they going to do uh, for a debut viewership when they do appear on on tnt in october is it going to be over a million i would i would say that's a a a good over under is maybe about a million viewers and then what are they going to settle at uh, after that of course you know smackdown will be doing uh their debut on fox uh at that point too in october but yeah i i think um one one thing AEW needs to do is just sort of get their their youtube uh consolidated you've got youtube channels all over as far as like uh, being the elite has its own channel, I think, and then and, and Cody's thing has its own own thing, and then there's the the actual AEW account there. But yeah, and uh, the, the road to uh, clips are now at least being uploaded on the AEW channel proper, so they're okay. they're making some changes. That's 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 good to, good to hear, and uh, and just like uh, I think this is like in, just indicative of a, a good sign was that um, AEW's Twitter followers are already above impacts, which mm-hmm. of course you know around forever and that that twitter account has existed since 2009 and uh for whatever it's worth AEW's twitter followers has already exceeded impacts twitter followers and maybe that's that that's just sort of maybe a factor in that is is what twitter means within wrestling culture and culture at large is i think twitter is especially good at finding niches and, and doing well with niche products and maybe there's something about about AEW and about wrestling that that makes uh it, it do really well on, on the Twitter platform. Yeah, I found that really interesting. And by the way, uh, Brandon's uh, PDF with, with all that excellent information is linked on our show description, so you can uh, uh, check that out yourself. But um, like, do, did you gather from some of those statistics, statistics that um, obviously certain platforms are more popular now uh, than they were before? Because I look at you know a certain promotion success on Facebook as maybe – uh, indicator of their success at a time when Facebook was actually more used, whereas perhaps with an AEW, it seems to be more swing towards Twitter now. That could be. I mean, I've got got it open here. Basically, the the run is, of course, WWE towers above everybody, mm-hmm. but you have about one point five or one point six million for Impact and Ring of Honor, about seven hundred thousand AEW at about two hundred eighty thousand, and uh, New Japan. I think if you combine both the English and the Japanese, they come in at about three hundred eighty thousand. I, I don't know. I maybe just uh, Facebook is is becoming more uncool, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it, I think Instagram has taken over a lot of a lot of timeshare from Facebook. Luckily, Facebook owns that. 
Uh, one last question for me, uh, Brandon, was, you know, not only, uh, of course, are, do you uh, follow, uh, you know, the financials of, of the industry very closely, you're also a professional uh, wrestler yourself and also a trainer. So kind of like, you know, uh, from your perspective, for all the people that are perhaps gunning for these full time positions right now, do you get a sense that, um, you know, people are targeting a specific company in mind? Um, whereas in the past, perhaps everybody was looking towards the WWE or Performance Center uh, 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 tryout or something like that. Is is that more spread out these days? That's a good question. I think it is. It's definitely more spread out today than it was a few years ago. Before at least New Japan became more in the public consciousness or the public wrestling fan consciousness. But um, I think I think a lot of people though, as far as like the people that I see that walk into to the wrestling school, you know, they're they're you know they're wrestling fans and what do most wrestling fans know about they know about WWE so WWE still towers above everybody as far as name recognition um but but I do do see you know I see other people that just maybe they just want to make a living in wrestling however it happens to be whether it's through WWE or so, some other avenue but uh I, I I do really feel and have felt since the beginning of the year that this is a, a really great time to be a wrestler uh there's more people other under contract right now and uh, probably increasingly so as we get closer to AEW's real TV launch date. There's more people under contract right now than there have been maybe ever. I, I, I don't know if there were contracts in the territory days or to what degree there were. But this is a, it's a great time to be a wrestler, and there's so many opportunities for wrestlers. And even WWE is, you know, they're, they're creating their NXT brand and their uh, UK brand. And, you know, Triple H wants to do global localization, so maybe we'll see even more performance centers and NXT uh, off-brands as time goes on. But yeah, I, I I do try to encourage people and explain to people, you know, sort of how the how the business unfolds and sort of what the how to climb the ladder from from your local level indies to your regional level indies, and you do further and further drives, and then maybe uh you know some of the super indies sort of take hold of you and uh, give you exposure to the point where uh, somebody who signs people to contracts starts to look at you. Yeah. Uh, well, as we sign off, Brandon, uh, please let our listeners know where they can uh, find more of your coverage on today's earnings report, as well as the, the PDF you put out and anything else you want to get out there. Sure thing. I'll be writing an article that's uh, underway right now for Fightful.com that will be posted later today. Uh, I've got a lot of tweets out there on Twitter at, uh, at Brandon Thurston. And uh, as you guys mentioned, I did a, a PDF. What did I title it? Something like WWE and Pro Wrestling Industry Q2 2019 uh, info sheet, sort of just uh, bullet points and, and graphs about just a bunch of data that's out there to be collected that I could collect, uh, just about what's been happening in the pro wrestling industry between the months of April and June. And uh, you'll find that twi- uh, pinned to my, my Twitter account right now. And also in the show description, as mentioned, uh, some beautiful charts, some beautiful graphs. It's, it's, it's exquisite. Brandon, you just like the, the colors immediately are just they're so pleasing to the eye. <laughs> that's, that's the most important thing. People are visual learners. I've learned on Twitter over the last five years or so. People want to see graphs. And they want to see bright colors and things like that. Yeah. Well, Brandon, we always thank you uh, for making time on on earnings day. It's, it's one of the big holidays of the year. If you are a, a, a follower of the professional wrestling business and uh, your, your breakdown is always fantastic to have your insight into all of these numbers and making sense of them all. Yeah, thanks. Someday here in the U.S., I hope this will become a federal holiday so I don't have to request off from work. Because what could be more American here than, uh, than, than WWE and the stock market? So but thank you for having me, guys. Thank you very much, Brandon. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. So there you go. That is, uh, you can go check out his article later today, Fightful.com, where he'll have uh, a very deep look at all of the numbers coming out of this. And, you know, as I mentioned off the top way, um, you know, usually it's uh, 
I'm on these calls, but uh, this time yeah, you called in as well. And mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted some of your impressions uh, kind of coming into this fresh of just the presentation of the numbers, Vince's role on the call, the investors yeah. Q&A portion as well. It's a good reminder because we actually uh, uploaded the uh, recording. That's why I was on just to record it so that we can uh, post it on our Patreon feed. We're going to start doing a lot more of these uh, as we get to them. Uh, you can probably find this for free as well uh, on WWE's uh, corporate website. The yeah, if you, if you, it's, a, it's a free sign up right. uh, for their corporate site and then you can access this as well. Just to make it easy for our audience, uh, we have this other feed out there. So on our Patreon feed, you can download that right now. Um, for me, like, you know, I've, I've heard like bits and pieces of, of these calls in the past and uh they're incredibly formal and i think filled with what sounds to the layman like myself a ton of financial numbers and gibberish that i i really you know don't completely understand and that's why we need people such as yourself and brandon to help me digest some of it but i think some of the more interesting juicy details are things of him talking about uh the competition talking about you know uh to me like it, it, barrios and wilson certainly handle more of the financial aspects whereas creatively it seems to be vince mcmahon feeling all those questions uh so i think his um statements kind of jump out to me a little bit more whereas uh the rest to me i just kind of felt like a lot of posturing as i think these are supposed to be you know let's hear the numbers that we have how do we make it sound in our favor so that our shareholders will be happy. Yeah. And I, I think that there's like broad strokes you can take from this quarterly report. It is the big quarter of the year, the second quarter. And, you know, it was it was a healthy, profitable quarter with, you know, 10.4 million in their net income. But it's also like you can see a picture here that there are numerous sectors of the business that would suggest a decline in popularity. And obviously, part of today's call was to kind of mitigate that with the kind of key message of the television viewership that the worst is over. And they even went to point out uh, the numbers for July year over year that they're actually up 1% for raw, which includes this past week's raw reunion. So a little bit misleading and SmackDown being up 2%, but designed to be for them to be able to use a number like that on a call like this. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, that's, they really wanted to paint the picture that yes, our television viewership hit a low point, but we are on the road to recovery. And that was, essentially what they wanted to convey here uh live event attendance i found interesting because um it was 5800 for the quarter but that includes wrestlemania so if you take out wrestlemania it was 4700 now what they don't stipulate is if the you would assume the saudi arabia number was included in there and we never got an attendance figure for saudi arabia so Mm. if you figure 25,000 people for instance we're at that stadium is that paid attendance is that like how do they there's a lot that I think we we, we they don't they don't break down paid and and comps. Uh, huh. They just put out the the live attendance figure. Um, okay. Uh, so anyway, it was forty seven hundred was the oh you know what that was the North American average. The international one was where the Saudi Arabia one would fit in, and that was uh, forty nine hundred was the average there. So hmm. how much did Saudi Arabia play into that? Um, we also had a uh, paid attendance uh, or at least a. Um, a rough estimate of where the paid attendance would be for this year's WrestleMania versus, of course, the, you know, flubbed uh, or, or or whatever, uh, worked uh, attendance. Yes, figure. yes. The, the 82,000 that they gave. Uh, do you have the actual uh, uh, the range? To, yeah, that, yeah. Because they don't give a specific number, but in the KPI, you can get kind of um the, the range of what Somewhere between was. the area of 57,000 to 68,000. So uh, median would be about 63,000. Um, so there you go. Yeah. So this is when, whenever you see that, that number that comes out the day of WrestleMania and people always run with that number, it's like the real one comes out in their own filings. And that's when you get the, 
like the legitimate number. And WrestleMania was sold out. I mean, that's just that's what it was. Right. And it becomes an Sadness. entertainment number that they put out there. Um, yeah. And the rest here, like live attendance, uh, a lot fewer shows this quarter. And that's a combination of. You know, the Monday night shows that they've been canceling quite frequently with the wild card rule, but also like they specifically stated in here to, you know, essentially for profitability shows that were taken off the books that they're mm. they're not going to run shows that are, you know, not great earners for them. I we saw there's a house show on Friday night that they canceled in Arkansas that was going to be a raw live event that they said was due to a scheduling conflict. Hmm. The entire Raw roster must have um, karaoke night or something Friday, and they, they can't make it to the house show. So it's a scheduling conflict way. A uh, date that's been on the calendar for, for all, the whole year. Scheduling conflict. Uh, do you want to get to some phone calls? Yes. If anyone wants to call in and chat about uh, whether it's the earnings call or any of the subjects that we tackled. AEW, any, uh, WWE Network, anything that's on your mind for the rest of the show? If anyone has actually got on to the network, which... Have they actually started to roll out the, the rebrand So already? Um, I believe that they have um okay so for us in canada we have to log in through the through our uh, television subscriber which for me is rogers and every time i've tried it's just said that the network is updating and it takes me to the default screen I'm in. like you're in yeah maybe no, this no is an issue so on my end so i'm gonna no have to so uh, is it the old network well actually i don't subs- i don't i don't get in through uh the the tv network so I oh in, okay i get in through a different way oh okay uh like i have like an american Oh, I don't. I have so. just the the Canadian. It's, it looks exactly the same. Okay, so it hasn't right flipped over. Okay, let's go to Hansi right now on the on the line. Hansi, uh, thoughts? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, listen, I'm not really too smart with like the financial stuff. That's why I like listening to you guys break it down because it actually educates my stupid brain sometimes from you know realizing this. But I'll ask you guys two questions, and one of them is about AEW. And first one was um. With AEW coming to like TV, which I'm really excited for, I'm excited about the the promo packaging and all that that they unleashed out. But do you guys have any confirmation or like any idea what is going to happen for Canada? Um, by any chance, like, do you know if there's going to be a solidified network? Do you think TSN will be a viable option, or is it going to be something else? Uh, listen, I, I've I've obviously been been asking around. Uh, I can't confirm anything. Uh, but it sounds like no no deal is finalized at, at the moment. Obviously, if you look at a process of elimination, TSN would be the one that makes the most sense. But um, I, I can't say that uh, definitively. Okay, that's cool. And I know you guys didn't really talk about this, but I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because I was kind of conflicted on this. I was happy because I don't like that Charlotte is always kind of put in the title feuds, right? And I'm guessing they gave her the bigger match with Trish Stratus. In retrospect, do you guys think that the Trish Stratus match should have been given to Bailey or Becky? Because I think that would have been better for the title because like, it seems kind of forced with Natty. I, I like Natty. I think she's like one of like she's a great talent. But do you guys think that because they gave Charlotte the bigger match with Tristratus, that it kind of like you know lowers the, the title matches, or do you think it's like just fine the way it is? That's just um, my question for you guys. I would imagine that it was. It ultimately came down, I'm sure, to the fact that they wanted Trish with a heel and not to mix the reaction for Becky mm-hmm. or for Bailey. That the Toronto audience, you would. You would suggest it would be. I still think it'd be a cool atmosphere, regardless. Um, but yeah, it seemed like it was a, an idea that that got pitched, and I mean, that's to me, it's you. You can certainly argue if there was more that, like, if Becky could use a, a bigger program like that. But um, 
It also gets Charlotte on the show because what else do you do with her? Yeah, I mean, it's I really don't have a big issue with the match. I know some people are, are not crazy about it, but I I feel that it's, you know, a pretty solid match to put in Toronto. And yeah. I think it's going to get over really big to, to the crowd. And and hopefully Charlotte comes. I think Charlotte will come out of it as, you know, positioned as like, well, the big female star. OK, no, yeah, that's, that's cool. I, 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 I'm sorry to have much to add about like the quarterly finals and all that. I, just want, I like talking to you guys weekly, so. Anytime I get a chance to call in and talk to you guys for like, like you know, five minutes or so, it's always like the highlight of my day. So thank oh. you for taking my call, guys. Thanks as always, Hansi. Thanks, Hansi. We, we will always pick up on this end. All right. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, that's I, I really it was interesting looking back that um, there was like a two and a half minute TV match that Trish did in 2011 with Vicky Guerrero, which it really wasn't a real match. So her last singles match was the Lita match at Unforgiven in 2006. So that's a long time to go without uh, a singles match. And this is going to be, you know, you know, she's that much yeah. older. She's 13 years older than the time when she was wrestling regularly. And yeah. and let's be honest, like the women's game has just increased significantly since the mid 2000s certainly true though you know we've seen glimpses of trish though performing in in things like the rumble and also uh last year's evolution and i definitely feel like she looked good i think good enough certainly you with that added star power to carry a a you know a satisfying matchup and you have charlotte in there who i think many would consider to be perhaps the best person for her to have a great match with i certainly have more faith in, in a match like this than maybe what she could have been able to do with alexa bliss as was originally planned last year yep there's going to be high expectations for this match i think they're gonna have a, an electric crowd and i think it's going to be a match that's obviously very well laid out and mm. I, I i think it's go i I feel pretty confident that the match is going to work really well. Or would you slot it on the show? Mm. Yeah, it's it's probably going to be one of those marathon shows. I wouldn't want to put it too late into the card. Like maybe maybe like midway through something like that. Yeah, I think so. I think I think the crowd will be like as buzzed for that as like the some of the title matches. I like, think it's really hard to ever project like especially these 6-hour shows. Like I can get a good gauge 3-hour show where you can kind of position everyone, but 6 hours, you just don't know when a crowd is kind of going to sink, what's going to be a high point that they can't really surpass. Like Daniel Bryan and Kofi ended up being the peak moment at WrestleMania. I wouldn't have necessarily predicted that uh, knowing like how hot that women's program was going in that, you know, it would be it's just so hard it's to tell. He added three extra, like seven. It's a seven it's a long show, time, dude. and sometimes it's just you just don't know when a crowd's either going to deflate or or maybe they're going to stay up for certain things. I the early construction of the card, I think they have pieced together a number of potential big babyface moments for Canadians that I think should hopefully get a, a strong reaction, and hopefully they can keep it for most of the show. How many sharpshooters do we see on the show? Oh God, I hope none. To be honest, or save it for one. You definitely get it with. I, I will, Bro, actually it, Owen's Natal putting Shane in the sharpshooter might get a really big response. <laughs> Obviously, in the Natalia match, you'll see it. Um, do we see it with with any of the other Canadians? Uh, I hope it's just reserved for one. It should be only reserved <laughs> for one. If you are going to do that, maybe we get Brett on this show in some cameo. Uh, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, in where he can call it the SummerSlam. The SummerSlam. Yeah. Yes. Uh, didn't have the SummerSlam when I was with the WCW. Um. If anyone wants to get their calls in before we wrap things up on another edition of The Hangout, you can call in 732-800-4423 or Post Wrestling on Skype. Uh, we'll be hanging around here for a couple more minutes before we sign out. And then Friday, Wayne and I are back on the Post Wrestling Cafe with Rewind Away. And this week we are reviewing the Fallout 
from Down Under tour from February of 2018, uh, the second night of that tour from Melbourne, Australia, featuring Kenny Omega teaming with the Gorillas of Destiny against Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, and Rocky Romero. Uh, plus, this was when the Elite were all over this New Japan card. They were kind of the big stars on the show. Plus, Minoru Suzuki against Jonah Rock. Uh, a number of Australian stars mixed in on this uh, interesting show, more so to look at where New Japan was in February of 2018 versus now, because it's been a pretty noticeable facelift that they've had. Yeah, it's not quite a show that I think a lot of people might have made time to watch uh, at the time that they occurred. But I think stepping back out of it now, even after a little over a year, it's incredible to see how different this roster might be. Um, even some of the people that are on the roster, somebody like a Jay White, how different they are from that point to now. And obviously, you know, in the case of the elite, I would say maybe more innocent times when they were simply performers on a card uh, looking to, you know, film segments on BTE versus the high powered executives that they are right now. And then on the weekend, we're going to have uh, new editions of Cruel Summer out on the free feed on Saturday and Sunday with WH Park. And on Saturday as well, the Rocky Maivia Picture Show returns with Nate Milton reviewing Gridiron Gang with Mike Mills and Marcus Vanderberg. And you will be with Phil Chertok. For a review of UFC yes. Saturday night, UFC 240 post show will be out. That card is headlined by Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar, as well as Chris Cyborg going into the last fight of our UFC deal against Felicia Spencer. And two editions of our G1 post shows, Saturday and oh Sunday. Oh my goodness. It will be a long weekend for yes. us. Yes. Uh, we did put up a free edition of our G1 coverage, uh, so you can go to postwrestling.com, free version, and if you like that, we're doing shows after every G1 on the Patreon feed at postwrestlingcafe.com. A show out Saturday, a show out Sunday. Uh, there's there's more than you can handle. We do it for the truck drivers. We do it for the truck drivers. That is our, that is our slogan. unofficial slogan. It is what it is. So, uh, Way, it's been a lot of fun uh, getting down into the weeds with you. Uh, yeah. Go on. Okay. I was just going to uh, <laughs> naturally move on to a, a, a sign-off from there. Uh, and I was uh, about to naturally go on to playing this beautiful music in the background. This is wonderful. Some people have graduated from certain areas of that crap. <laughs> Not us, folks. We, we always remain grounded. So thank you to everybody for... Uh, joining us for this special edition of the Cafe Hangout. A thank you to Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics for joining us. Uh, you can follow him at Brandon Thurston on Twitter. And I believe the WrestleNomics podcast still exists, so he might just like pop up there after a show like uh, after a, a day like today with with bonus audio as well. So subscribe to that. Yes, absolutely. Check that out. Uh, always great when we get to have him on the Cafe Hangout. And check out all of our shows coming out this weekend. There's no shortage of them. New edition of Up Next. New edition of the British Wrestling Experience. So much great stuff. PostWrestling.com for Wei Ting. I am John Pollock, and thank you for hanging out. Mm-hmm.